Good morning and welcome to Calvary. It's great to see um, new faces here this morning and um, it's been exciting to see over the last few months and see how God has drawn new people into our fellowships. People who have been here, fellowship with us before and come back and it's been really interesting to see how God, by his spirit, um, is working in our fellowship and it's exciting exciting um so uh before i before i start um i just want to thank you for the support that we've had as a family um over the last few months as well it's been uh some, and some difficult days we've had but um we've always valued the support and um, encouragement and care that um it's been found here with calvary and it's so important as is um believers to know each other's lives and support each other and to encourage each other. We all go through hard times, we all go through challenging times. And the importance of like, being open and asking for prayer and, and, and supporting each other is we're body, you know, as one believes and we should be supporting each other. So I just thank you um, from, our, from, from, my, from um, our family just for the support that we've received um, over the last few months. So... Um, just been thinking about, we're not looking at this passage this morning, but uh, I was just thinking of the start, um, the, the verse in Galatians, which has been on my mind, which it says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus comes to meet with us. That was his purpose, to give us freedom in and through his son, to live a life of freedom, no longer to be burdened with with the yoke of slavery again. And so often in our lives, we can get things can come in our lives that can burden us, that can thwart us from living a life which is where God called us to, a, a life of freedom in and through his son, a life of love and sacrifice, and a life, and a life filled with the Spirit. And um, can I just remind you this morning that that's the purpose that Jesus came. He came to win us that freedom. And that's one of the things we're going to be thinking about this morning. Now, in our passage in um, Acts 19, before we read it, it starts with this verse in, in, in Acts 19, verse 23. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. There was a disturbance that was caused by the way. That was the name that the Christians were called um, when, the, when the church first started, the way. I love that term, the way. It was a lifestyle that people lived who were following the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't just a belief or philosophy. It was a whole new way of life. And we see, last week we, we saw Greek... Um, Paul doing amazing things, God doing amazing things through the life of Paul, um, as we saw the church growing and the ministry and um, and people seeing being set free from um, bondage and slavery in uh, in another sin. And as we think about the way, we um, we have to really think about what Jesus said um, in in John. He said, "I am the way." I am the truth, and I am and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except 
through me. Jesus said he wasn't a way, but he was the way. He was the only way to the Father. He promised a new life in him if we come and follow him. He said he was the way, he was the truth. And and life can only be found through him. In John, he also said, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus claimed he was the truth and he claimed some amazing things. He said he was the only way. Jesus, the man who said he was God, claimed he was the only way. What a claim to make that he was the only way to God the Father. I am the gate. Anyone who enters by me will be saved. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to its fullness. Life to the full only to be found in and through Jesus Christ. Following his way, he came to open the way to the Father. He came to bring us back. We couldn't do it ourselves and not through our own works we could only find life in and through the son jesus promises if we come and give our lives to him he will renew our lives renew our hearts and give us life he warns us though enter through the narrow gate it's a narrow way for wide is the gate and broad is the, um, the road that leads to destruction Jesus said he was, the, he was the way to the Father. He was the only way to the Father. And only life can be found in and through him. But he also said, enter through the narrow gate. Only a few people find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many enter through the broad gate. But small is the gate. And narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus came to redeem those who were Lost, who were trapped in sin, he came to surrender his own life and give his life as a sacrifice that we, that we could know life in and through him and, and um, through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a different way of life. It's a distinct way of life. And it's only to be found in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what we're going to be thinking about this morning as we look at the way. We see Paul, amazing work, and how he, he follows um, the leading of God in, um, in his time. And I'm always encouraged to just go back to chapter 18 where God reminds him and speaks to him, do not be afraid, keep on speaking. This is not to the people of Ephesus where we think that, but it was it, it, where, a couple of chapters ago. Do not be afraid, keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to, harm, um, to attack you and harm you, because I have so many people in this city. God was reminding them that God was in the business of changing people's lives, transforming their lives through the message of the gospel, through the seed of truth, that this life, this gospel message was going to change many lives, that he was going to get opposition. But God was in the business of changing lives. And God is in the business of changing lives today. 
He's in the business of transforming lives and moving people out of misery and sin into a new life with him. Do you believe that this morning? Because God wants to transform your life. Maybe maybe you're already born with God. Maybe you you find yourself in a place where you're struggling because we can find ourselves struggling even when we're Christians. That thing comes, things come into our lives to keep us in bondage and or keep us in misery. But God says, uh, Jesus says that He has come to give us life and life to the full. If we can, if we live and surrender our lives to Him and live in obedience to Him, that He will give us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to renew us and give us new life in Him. So there's introduction which is quite long but uh, but i love that um i love that passage uh, where just where it says um in in acts just about the way you can't sort of skip over it um i know nathan mentioned it last week but at that time there was a great disturbance about the way and sometimes god disturbs our life by he, he, he comes to disturb us by in, by showing us our sin in in and shake us up and um I'm just being encouraged by, um, as we look forward, as we see about um, Paul and Michelle coming as well, how God, how they've been willing to be obedient as well. One of the things that Paul and Michelle was, said when they were here was that um, they felt that God was calling them to Calvary, which is really exciting. And, uh, and one of the things I sticks with is he said, well, when God calls... You just have to be obedient. You just have to follow that call. And for, for them, that's a huge thing, isn't it? They're coming across from the other side of the world with a family, but they've been willing to follow God's leading. And I'm really hopeful and excited about what it's going to do. So anyway, we're going to read um, this chapter in, in, in Acts 19. Um, about that time... Sorry, just before we say that, um, it's, it's a, this is a, an entertaining and interesting and vivid incident in the life and ministry of Paul. And it's one of the very few places in the book of Acts where we have an incident and, and is depicted without a sermon at all. But um, there's no actual example of any apostolic uh, teaching, um, but there's a little synopsis uh, which you'll hear as we start reading. So, about that time there was a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius... Um, who made silver shrines of Artemis, bought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called together, along with the workers in related trade, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large number of people here in Ephesus, and particularly the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is a danger, not only to our trade, that we will lose, that will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the whole province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of Ephesians. And soon the whole city was in uproar. The people seized Gaius and... Um, I can't even think about it. I'll start with, sorry. Uh, Paul's travelling companion from Macedonia and all of them rushed into the theatre together. 
Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Some of the officials of the province, um, even some of the, the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theatre. The assembly was in, in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most people did not even know why they were there. Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He met, uh, motioned for silence in order to make a defence before the people. But when they realised he was a Jew, they shouted all in unison for about two hours. Great as Artemis of, of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world... Um, all the world know that the city of, of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and their image which fell from heaven. Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You, you have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor bl blasphemed our goddess. If then... Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody in the court, that the courts are open, and there is the proconsuls, they can press charges if there is anything you want to bring up. It must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we're in danger of being charged with rioting because of what has happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. And after he said this, he dismissed the assembly. So what a crazy, crazy um, account, really, of um, the aftermath, really, of um, last week's passage, where we see that, um, early on, that the, when Paul preached, um, we see that... Um, there was a great transformation in people's lives. And we see the aftermath from that. But the main thing I'd like to show you is that Paul, in his preaching of the gospel, he always took on and challenged the idols of the culture. The idols of people's hearts. And therefore, we can't really minister the gospel unless um, the life-changing gospel, unless you want to like Paul, discern and expose and challenge the idols of, the, of, the, of our communities, of the place. What, is, what, what I'd like to show you here is that um, is about how to discern idols, how to expose idols, and how to destroy idols. Because this is what Paul did. Paul preached the gospel in such a way that it changed the converts' lives. Because he went after the idols of the region. And the idols of the people's hearts were, and were com converted. And that's why we see such a dramatic change. Because he went after the idols of people's hearts. What was important to them. And he challenged them. He challenged them in such a way that it effect, affected... Um, the world that they lived, we see 
here in, in previous passages that the, the lives were such changed that it changed, changed the world that they live in. It would change the culture. This is what uh, Demetrius is so mad about. It's affecting the, the, the culture and in the, the very economy of the culture. They're losing money. It's because of the lives of Christians that have been so changed. It's affected the culture. How we need that so much in today's world. We need Christians who live distinct lives, who change the culture. How do we do that? By challenging the idols, not only of the, com- the communities that we're, we're living, but the idols of our own hearts. In a lot of cases today, we see people professing to be Christians, having born-again experiences, deciding for Christ, coming to follow Christ but we see they don't live any differently than the world, than the rest of the world. That is actually one of the great scandals of the church today, that we don't actually see life, people living distinct lives of difference. Jesus calls us to live different lives, lives of repentance, lives that turn our back on sin and live for Christ. I'll be quoting quite a lot of words of Jesus today because they're the, they're the words that often resonate with me. When I encourage you, I've got a Bible with a red letter Bible, which is just the words of which where the words of Jesus are highlighted in red. Now, obviously, all Scripture is God breathed and useful for training, correcting, and but it is there's something amazing about the words of Jesus, the great High Priest, who. And I think it's really good to, if we can, just to... These are the words that often come back to me as, 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 as I prepare the sermon. Jesus says in... Um, Jesus says in the Sermon of the Mount, one of my favourite passages of Scripture, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus calls us to be salt and he calls us to be light. He calls us to live distinctly different lives. And if we do live lives which are surrendered to him in a radical way, then we will see that transforming work. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So last week we saw um, that the people, um, that through the Spirit of God, that um, many of those who believed now became and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number of those who practiced sorcery and brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And then we say that them scrolls, them, um, them scrolls of witchcraft and whatever were, were, were worth a lot of money, were, worth millions of pounds in today's money. And what did they do? They burned them. They burned them. There was no going back. And in sin, in dealing with sin, God calls us to be radical with that, to deal with the causes of sin. And if something causes you to sin, to to deal with it radically. The, what did they do? They burned them. They burned them. They, 
I think Nathan mentioned last week that they could have maybe sold them or you know, they could have done something with them because there's a lot of value there. But they, they burnt them. Jesus calls us to repent for the kingdom of God is near and turn our lives. What does that look like for you? If, we, if God does a work in our lives, the, the, the sign that he's doing something in our lives should be that repentance, that turning from that sin. Jesus also says um, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, where I find it, he talks about adultery and about the, the problem with adultery and how with the lust of the heart, but he also he goes on to say, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Is it, is it better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell? And if your right um, hand caused you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Is it better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell? What's Jesus asking us here? What? What's he saying there? That we gouge our eyes out and chop our hands off? Of course he's not talking about it. He's talking about the heart, the problem of the heart, isn't he? Can somebody who's blind still lust? Yes. He's talking about the heart problem. But God said that that is the heart of the human problem, really, that our nature in its, in its essence is a corrupt one. And we can only have that renewal if we turn from our sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. And he, what does he, he promise? He promises his Holy Spirit to come and live in our hearts and renew us. It's not that we work at ourselves. It's not that we can be righteous ourselves. But God gives us his, his Holy Spirit in in. in by, as a gift, and to transform our lives, to cleanse us from our sin, and to move us into a distinct and different life. Um, so I've, lost, I've gone off my notes and already. <laughs> it didn't take as long. Jesus says, um, we also talked about, about, last week Nathan was talking about um, the gospel and how it goes out, and how that, the, the, the power of the sower casting out, and how Paul... Um, in his ministry was being so effective he, he, the, whole, the, the word gone out for that whole region and uh, when he was in um, when he was in the hall of uh, what was it in the, of, of Paul leaves the, synagogue, leaves the synagogue doesn't he and he has he stays in Ephesus and, he, and the preaching of the word goes out um, and the word goes out and we were thinking about the seed and how not to be selective because the word itself, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ transforms lives. But Jesus says um, in John, um, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. He talk, he's talking about Death of the old man, death of the old nature. Putting to death the things which don't glorify and honor God. Dying to yourself in order to, to bear fruit. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it remains as only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's what the, the, the seed of the gospel does. If we live in lives which are serving God and honoring Him, we will bear fruit, much fruit. This is what... Um, it says in the parable of the sower, isn't it? But the, the, the seed that is the, the healthy seed, it goes on and produces 
produced it. Not that we produce it ourselves, but God in and through us, and he's through his Holy Spirit, helps to transform people's lives if we're living lives which are set apart for him. Why don't we see lives change today? It's because the idols aren't confronted. They're not dealt with. People are living, and that can be in our own life as well. Paul confronts the idols of this culture, and they change in such a way that it affects the economy. Imagine that. It affects the economy. Imagine that. These Christians were so radical that they affected the whole economy. And Paul had only been there for two or three years, but the word of God had spread in such a dramatic way that the Christians lived such distinct lives, such lives set apart, that the economy was affected. The culture was changed. And Paul doesn't actually give us a sermon here, does he? It just it gives us a little synopsis. I slowed down as we went over that bit. What is, what, what is Paul's message? He actually gives us a, a, um, a synopsis in, in verse 26. See, and, and you see in here how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people in Ephesus. And, and practically the whole Asia, of, um, the province of Asia, he says that God's made by human hands are no gods at all. Well, that's radical. <laughs> Not really, but you know, that's, that's what he says. The gods that you're serving, Artemis, and the shrines that you're making are no gods at all. He doesn't say, oh, well, you know, that's all right for you and you live your life. He's saying these are no gods at all. And this is Paul's pattern. See, Paul discerning the idols and, um, and he went after the idols. If we want to know more about Paul's preaching, because it doesn't, that's all we've got really in this passage, we just have to go back. Um, it's not hard, we just go back to the rest of Acts to see what he's doing. We see in um, Paul confronting the idols as we read Acts 14. In Lystra, Paul confronted the idols when he said um, about Paul and Barnabas and they were calling them gods. And, and Paul says to them, friends, why are you doing this? We are only human too, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from your worthless things to the living God um, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. In the past, he let the nations go their own way, yet he has not let um, himself without testimony. He's shown you kindness. So he, but the main part of it is he's saying, um, why are you doing this? Turn from these worthless things to the living God. He calls their gods worthless things. He confronts in, in, Philipp, in Philippi in, the, in Acts 16, he confronts um, the, the gospel there. But the main example of it is when Paul preached in Athens. You'll see three things how Paul dealt with the idols there. First of all, uh, he went uh, in Athens um, and while it says in verse seven, um, chapter, Acts 17 and verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed that the city was full of idols. He saw the city was filled with idols. He saw the idols, he, he discerned the idols, he recognized them and he went after them. He confronted them. Every culture, every race, every people group has a set of idols. 
every individual life and community and every culture that is not based on serving God and living for his glory is based on some creative thing, some idol. This is one of the first commandments of God that sums up the first part of the, of the, the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Don't have any idols. Serve me. Set yourself apart. What is an idol? An idol is anything in your life which is so central to your life that you can't have a meaningful life without it. You set it up in your life. It's idolatry is anything you look at in your heart of hearts and say that my life would have no value if I didn't have this in my life. And so often as Christians, we can have idols in our lives because we're not really living set apart as God wants to. Not loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our minds. God does it. God, why does God want us to live this way? He wants us to bring us that freedom. He wants us to bring us into a, that living relationship and that only can be found if we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind. An idol can be anything. It can be family. It could be children. It can be a career. It could be making money. It can be an achievement. It can be a relationship. I've got to have this in my life. But God says, really? Are you, are you really prepared to... Are you, will you not come and surrender your life to me? Jesus says about, if anyone would come after me, he would have to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus says some radical things. God asks us to honour our parents. Of course he does. He, does. He, give, he asks us to make family a, pri- a priority. But Jesus said, um, he also said, about um, about sometimes family can be become an idol, can't it? It can become. I'm trying to find the notes where Jesus said, um, "Where was it?" Um, there you go. It's in um, large crowds. Following, were travelling with Jesus and turning to them and said, "If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children." Brothers and sisters, yet even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you sit down first and estimate the cost? Has he got enough money to complete it? Consider the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. What did it cost God to send his own son? That was the great cost. And God asks us to come and to give our lives in, in surrender for him. To give, live our lives in repentance, turn from our sin and to follow him. This is the challenge of the gospel. Jesus said, whoever has ears to, to hear, let him hear. Is God challenging you this morning to surrender your life more fully to God? God wants to do mighty things through us, through his church. But he can only do it if we live our lives focused on him, set apart for him, living for him. Not by our own strength, but by the strength that he gives through his Holy Spirit. Are you trapped in sin? 
Are you trapped in the bondage of idolatry? Idolatry, the things that promise these things, promise meaning, promise life, promise fullness, but they're empty at the end of the day. They can't bring the life of joy and peace and fulfillment which only Jesus Christ can bring. Jesus says, come, follow me, repent, and seek his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This is the challenge which um, um, I was just thinking about this morning when I've been thinking about Demetrius and about his life there. So we see that, um, we see Demetrius causing a stir because of the because it's threatening his trade there. Um, I've lost my notes there. And there. Um, this was the root cause of um, ultimately the root of the commotion, the chaos um, is is about the is about Demetrius and his greed. In in verse twenty five, we see that Demetrius says um, from his bus- from his business of selling shrines, these shrines that were made of little temples that people would come and to, to have in their house. Um, that was the under, underlying motivation there because he was losing. This was a valuable business. It says that it, it brought in no small business for them and he, brought the, he, he brings in the, um, the, other, the, the other silversmiths and other trades there. Jesus says money was his... Was his was his idol as well as this, this um, pagan um, worship of, of Artemis. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You'll hate one and um, you'll hate one and love the other. You'd be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. He says some radical things about that. Money can be a good thing. It can be bring us a lot of um, enjoy earning and, and, and making a living and making money can be fun but if that's our if, if that's all we're serving Jesus says you can't serve both God and money and this was this was um, Demetrius's problem he was he, he was flipping out because he realised that the, because of the Christians were living in such distinct lives that that was effectively going to his business business was going down the pan and he was saying this to the other, um, so we see a stir there because of the fallout there. When we see Christians living a radically different lives, and we see a work of God, we see a counter, we push back to that. We of, we always say that we should expect that. It shouldn't be a surprise, but that shouldn't put us off because God would God is still at work in changing people's lives. Um, talking about money as well, it says the love of money is the root. In Timothy, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That can be um, guard ourselves, keep your lives free from the love of money. Jesus says, lay up for, um, in Matthew six. Um, again, I'm quoting the words of Jesus, where Jesus talks about. Um, Matthew 6. Do not store 
up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth, 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 moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. When we look at our money in our lives and what we do with it, that can be a good reflection of where we are spiritually. If, we, if our hope and our, if in our faith and in, in, in trust in God is just shown in spiritual things, it should be shown in the way we give as well. God, lives, God loves a cheerful giver. Is, is the way we use our money, is that a reflection about how we are living? So we see that God calls us to a, a distinct and a holy life, a life set apart for him. So how can we do this? How can we live our lives? I believe that if we deal with the, um, the idols in our own hearts, in our own lives, that it's then God can, will move in a mighty way. And that's what, this is what happened in the early church. They lived distinct lives, lives which are different. And as Paul exposed the idols in people's hearts, we, this, we see that um, things change in a radical way. This is, that, this is the, the, the challenge, really, from it, just one of the things I just want to, to bring out. I know it's quite, a, a, it's quite a one-sided sermon, but I just felt that when I was preparing it, that this is what God was asking us, challenging us as a church. Are we living lives set apart for him? Are we dealing with the, the idols in our lives? And are we really serious about serving our king? Serving the living God? Now, where's my rest of my notes? <laughs> so, John, um, so let's just read some, some words from Jesus. I know I have, I've sort of just briefly touched on Acts, um, but I just wanted us to really just think about um, how we can live these, this life of distinction. Jesus said in Acts, uh, sorry, in John 14, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you a, another counsellor to, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. The, the, how we see that living out in people's lives. Jesus said in, um, in Matthew um, as well, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward, inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By the, their fruit, you will recognize them. People do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. He talks about fruit in our lives. That should be evident. If, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But he also goes on to say... Um, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you the counsellor to be with you forever. He'll give you the counsellor, he'll give you an advocate who will be with you to equip you to live for him. 
He's not saying, live that holy life yourself, strife. He's saying, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You must receive that new life. Have you had, have you come to a point where you've put your faith in trust in God, where you've, you've, God's shown you your, your poverty, shown you your sin, and you've trusted in him, and he's given you that Holy Spirit within you? Are you living by the Spirit each day? Trusting in him, walking with him, not on our own strength. God says, um, you can only do it. Further on in John, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit he prunes that be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. Are you living that life of set apart for God, striving for holiness, seeking God, because God, by His Spirit, wants to come, cleanse us from sin, and equip us to live a new life in Him. And as we spend time in God's Word, and if we... We research the scripture. God shows us things in our lives and he moves us and transforms and, he, and he, he makes us obedient in him. So we see this commotion in Acts. We see this chaos. We see all the people shouting, great as hard to miss. We see this whole confusion where we see this, the whole city in uproar because of the Christians. And... Um, Demetrius and all the others are saying, these Christians are, are, are threatening our whole way of life. They're bringing chaos. They're turning the world upside down. But what's actually happening is, is because the Christians are challenging the idols of the time, that's what's causing, that's what's, what's, what's causing the real disruption. That's, what's, that's, that's the great threat to this people at the time. It's because the idols have been threatened. And this is what's causing the, the commotion. We see that today in today's world. We see people with all these weird and wonderful ideologies saying that you know, the Christians, the, the weird, the, the one... It's, but in fact, it's, it's them who were, who were misled. And the amazing thing is we look at the end of this, this, end of this passage, we see this great commotion... We see all these people, imagine all these people, it's just crazy, shouting, they didn't even know why they were there, such, such as Satan stirring up this great um, pushback against the gospel. And we see for two hours, the shouting, great is oh, thousands of people in this theatre, great as Artemis for two hours, can you imagine that? Shouting for two hours. I know sometimes, I know he was mad a lot of good football matches and shout for something for... More than five minutes, and I find that crazy. But uh, this is um, <laughs> this is this is two hours. This is two hours. But we see, and there's and the Christians are really under threat there. But as we look to the end of the the passage, we see that the the town clerk stands up and he brings order, and and God in his even though there's a great opposition to the gospel, we see that. He quieted the crowds and he basically brings some reason. And God uses that in order to protect the Christians, really. And his sovereignty, and he's, he, he causes 
that he causes come. As we, as it is, we this is the town clerk. As it is, we're in danger of being of being charged with writing because of today's events. And in that case, we could not be able to account for the commotion since there's no reason at all. So he, and he basically said, if you've got a problem, there's, there's the courts there, there's the, the poor consuls, and he brings calm to this crazy situation. And God in his sovereignty protects the Christians there. Are you afraid to, to stand and to live for Christ? Because this is what God's calling you to do, to live a distinct and holy life. And he will provide protection. He will, not that we won't suffer persecution. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But he'll give us the strength and he'll give us um, the words to say. Are you prepared to follow Christ and live with him? And maybe God's calling you this morning to a life of repentance. For, for, if, for maybe it's even the first time to really be, take God's word seriously and to repent from your sin and turn from your sin. This week, this week I was thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah and about how God... That judgment was coming on Sodom and Gomorrah and how Lot and his family were fleeing that wrath that was coming. Get out of the city, God says to them. Get out. The judgment's coming. And how Lot and his wife fled there. But then Lot, Lot's wife, looked back, just turned around and thought, oh. Jesus said, if you follow me, once you put the hand to your plough, don't look back. Forsake your life of sin and live to serve the living God. And as Dave comes and he brings and leads us in communion, I hope that's been a challenge to you this morning as we seek to live a life worthy of our calling because of what Jesus Christ has done in and through his sacrifice you saw and that you will live, be challenged to live a life more set apart, more serious um, in living for Jesus. Thank you.